Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We have got an absolutely packed show for you guys tonight on this Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. I know a lot of people like to get into the, uh, you know, like, like to dress up. You know, listen, kids do it. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're all kid at heart, right? Everybody likes to dress up. I've seen a lot of some, you know, some Hocus Pocus, right? There's a new Hocus Pocus movie out. There's uh, uh, the Halloween uh, movie that just came out, the last one with, uh, you got some Mike Myers costumes out. Uh, a lot of stuff, you know, there's always the classic, one of my favorites, the, the Ghostbusters costume. There, there's a lot of great costumes out there. Um, but I, I got to admit, I think I've got the best one this year. I, I've got the best costume this year because when it's all said and done, folks, what I'm dressed like, is a winner. I'm dressed like a winner today, folks. Because my University of Tennessee volunteers are 8-0. After a resounding win over the University of Kentucky. A lot of Kentucky fans were talking for this game. Not after the first quarter or the second. Dang sure not after the third. And it was all said and done. Couldn't find Kentucky fans. Couldn't find them. The Halloween-themed uniforms, if you will, the orange and black. Oh, my goodness. It was beautiful. So, you know, I'm dressed like, folks. I'm dressed like a winner. Right, let's show that. Here it, is. Here it is. The power T for Tennessee. All right. Because my Vols, while they are tied with Ohio State for second in the AP poll, make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, once the college football playoff poll comes out tomorrow, they will be number one. We, Tennessee, will be number one. Cannot wait. So that's what I'm dressed like today. I'm dressed like a winner. I'm dressed like a, a fan of a team who's about to be number one in the country. You know, nor normally, in most cases, uh, that costume would involve uh, crimson or involve uh, scarlet or red and black, you know. Occasionally, uh, orange and purple back in the day, about three, four years ago. Nah, not today. In 2022, for Halloween, it's orange and white. 
Make no mistake about it. But we do have a packed show for you guys tonight. I obviously, I will discuss Tennessee. I'll discuss the college football playoff uh, uh, rankings, which the first rankings are going to come out tomorrow at 8 Eastern on ESPN. I'm going to give you my college football rankings. I'm going to do one through four. I'll also do the first two out, uh, the two teams that are you know right on the doorstep of making the playoffs, but maybe would have, some, have to have some things go their way, although I do not believe that will be the case for one of them. Also, uh, Niners absolutely putting the hammer on the Rams in the second half. Uh, Kyle Shanahan continues his dominance over Sean McVay's 8-1 and one in their last nine matchups. I'll discuss that. Uh, what else we got? The Cowboys dominating the Bears. My man, Rain Dakota Prescott balling out against a top five pass defense in, that, in the National Football League. I'll talk about that. A little World Series talking at the end of the show. I will predict tonight's Halloween matchup. You know, appropriately, two teams that both wear orange, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. I'll predict that at the end of today's show. I kept coming off a, a really good. This is this is by far my best predicting week of the season, folks, because I'm sitting there at 12 and 2. Up said the week was correct. Uh, if I were a betting man was correct, even Bryce's bleak bet, the one I'm not confident in at all, actually ended up being the one that looked the best for me because I had the Saints winning and all they did was shout out the Raiders yesterday. So a lot of NFL to talk about some baseball in there as well. Um, but I, I wanted to start with last night's game between the Packers and the Bills. We all expected Buffalo to win, right? They were 11-point favorites. Funny enough, they actually did not cover, uh, which we thought they would given the start that they got off to. But the Bills won 27-17 over the Green Bay Packers. And uh, it, it was one of those where the, the final score didn't feel like it was indicative of how dominant Buffalo was uh, and how inept Green Bay was. And it points to something. I'll get to the Bills a little bit, but sort of my main point is about the Packers. Um, I will say this. I, I didn't hate how Aaron Rodgers played. Uh, I, I thought the whoever does QBR was a little – I'm hard on Aaron, as hard on Aaron as anybody. Uh, I thought that whoever does the QBR uh, uh, rating did a really poor job of ranking his performance. They gave him a QBR and 0 to 100 of a 20. Hey, he was better than that, folks. I Me, mean, a pass rate of 91. He wasn't garbage. Uh, one thing I did like about Aaron, he pushed the ball down the field occasionally, despite the fact that there's no Randall Cobb, there's no Alan Lazard, and after the first quarter, there's no Christian Watson. So a wide receiving core that already wasn't very good, we knew that coming into the season, excuse me, is, is now even more depleted. You lost three of your key guys. So you're relying on Sammy Watkins, who for the life of him cannot separate. You're relying on Romeo Dobbs, who I thought had a really good game, made a great catch in the back corner of the end zone. He, you know, he may end up being better than I thought he'd be. Okay, you're relying on, on kids out there essentially. So I didn't think Aaron played poorly like he did against Washington or he did against Tampa Bay in the second half or some of these games. I didn't think he played that well against the New England Patriots or the Giants in the second half. He was awful against the Jets. He was fine last night. But it points to something that I'm like, it goes to the antithesis of, of my biggest issue with the Packers is Matt LaFleur. He doesn't start running the football until <laughs> he's down 17. And I've been beating this table constantly for the Green Bay Packers, who have one of the best running back tandems in football. You've got like the classic, it's cliche, but it's true, thunder and lightning. Thunder being A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla, as they call him, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And Aaron Jones, who's more of a shifty back. He's lightning. And so when you have all these double-digit leads, like you had, say, against Tampa Bay, or you had against the Giants, or Washington, Rely on those guys, especially because the fact, look, I get he got Aaron Rodgers, four-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer one day. But 
I mean, UC San Francisco, you know, relying on, on their running game constantly. Why? It's their identity. San Francisco, who I'll discuss later, have an identity. Buffalo has an identity. I think they throw the football a little too much. Okay. You know, you know, they they threw it too much for my liking as as, as much as they were up late in the game with really not a whole lot of success because they couldn't put Green Bay away. But they have an identity. They know who they are. What's Green Bay? We know, surely to goodness, they know they're limited at the wide receiver position. They know that Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. He's still great, I think, you know, on, on most days. But, you know, he's, 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 what is he, 38 years old, 39 years old? He's not getting any younger. You've got an excellent offensive line, and you've got one of the best running back tandems in football with Jones and Dillon. Why not rely on those guys? And they finally do last night. They run for over 200 yards as a team, but not until they're down, <laughs> you know, uh, down down by a big deficit. And so then at that point, yeah, you're scoring. Yeah, you're kind of getting back in the game, but you're eating a lot of clock in the process. And so we'll see how incompetent Matt LaFleur is next week. They play Detroit. Green Bay should win that game. Uh, that was actually a game at Detroit that had the Packers losing coming in because they, they tend to never really play well at the Lions, and Detroit's not a bad team at home. They score a lot of points at home at the very least. So that, that'll be tough for the people to give it credit for. But when I'm looking at this Packers team, this offense in particular, guys, <laughs> what are you doing? Your most valuable player your most reliant player, I should say, is Aaron Jones. Because, not just because Aaron Rodgers is a bum or something, but because who's he got to throw to? I mean, let's look at today even more. Like, him and Devontae Adams, man, they miss each other. Because Devontae was bad yesterday. Aaron's been bad by his standards this season. They should not have made that trade. But they did, so they're gonna, they made their bed, and now they're going to have to lay in it. So you, you've got these, this, this tandem. You've got the offensive line. You're limited at wide receiver. Why not feed those guys? As for Buffalo, it's what I expected. Coming off a bye, they were prepared. They were really sharp, especially on, on third down situations. Josh Allen was typical Josh Allen, making plays with his arm, with his legs. Uh, Stephon Diggs uh, beat the corner of the top. It was not Jerry Alexander, who, you know, those two had a little scuffle pregame. Wouldn't, wouldn't call it anywhere near a fight, especially what we saw with, with Michigan and Michigan State over the weekend where there's going to be like assault charges. Okay, it wasn't anything like that. But... You know, they were beefing. Jair Alexander, the great corner for the Packers, did a good job on Diggs. But Diggs got loose, so did Gabe Davis. Uh, Kevin Knox caught a touchdown. Uh, they had the running game, which I thought was good with Devin Singletary. Like, you have these guys that you can rely on in the passing game. And again, Buffalo knows what they are. You know, Josh Allen, you know, 13 for 25. Completion percentage not great. 218, two touchdowns. He had a bad pick down in the red zone uh, inside the five-yard line that I didn't like because, obviously, if, if Buffalo scores there, then – you know, they, they go up by whatever it was at that point, 17. They go back up by 17, and the Packers have no hope whatsoever of winning. Um, and Josh Allen, by the way, to QBR of 83, but a pass rate of 75. So you, you look at for Buffalo, not a great second half, but all in all, a complete performance. Uh, Von Miller did a good job getting pressure, as did everybody else, especially on the interior for Buffalo's defensive line. Uh, you know, we know that this is the best team in the AFC along with Kansas City. It kind of feels like, kind of feels like the quarterbacks are. It's 1A and 1B. We know that these two are, are in a collision course. They are going to meet at some point in the playoffs, and whoever wins that will represent the AFC in Super Bowl 57. Uh, but as for Green Bay, uh, it, 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 goes to, it goes to the problem I've always had with them. Is Matt LaFleur, what are you doing? You know your receiving core is beat up. You know that, by the way, your quarterback is having some real trust issues with those receivers. 
His your quarterback took shots at the receiver, so their confidence can't be in the greatest place. Rely on the other two guys. And they did when they're down 17. So we'll see if they commit to the run more against the Detroit Lions team that isn't bad against the run. They're, I mean, certainly they're not as good as Buffalo is. And again, Buffalo's good against the run, and Packers still ran for 200. So it shows you how good the Packers can, can run the ball. But the question is, will they commit to it uh, moving forward? But it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, 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 uh, you don't know what Green Bay's doing most, most days. They look, I'm, I mean, Sean McDermott, who a lot of people seem to criticize Sean McDermott. I think he's a tremendous coach. I really do. You look at his game plan, you look at uh, the lack of penalties for Buffalo, the the execution. I mean, it's, 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 he's everything that you want in a head coach. By the way, you know, he was successful pre Josh Allen. Never forget, he was hired by Buffalo, got them, he, he helped end their long playoff drive. What was it? Was it like, 16 years they haven't been to the playoffs and Sean McDermott takes over as a head coach and they get in. And once you build around the identity of Sean McDermott, which is defense first, because he is a defensive coach, but then you add the superstar quarterback and those weapons. And I see Odell Beckham Jr. tweeting about, man, these the Bills look good. I'm like, man, if they add OBJ, whoo, that's Gabe Davis is your third best receiver. Or even maybe Odell's your third best receiver. You can make an argument today about who's the better. I'd probably take Odell healthy. But Gabe Davis is still a heck of a player, so uh, you know it's 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 very it's a sunny day in, in Buffalo, and and they should take care of the Jets next week uh, on the road before a big matchup. To me, that game should possibly get flexed to Sunday Night Football Vikings Bills. Uh, what is the? Let's see what the Sunday Night game is that night. Ooh, gosh, it's Chargers Niners. They, I'm not so sure that they shouldn't flex that Vikings Bills game because that's a one o'clock game between at the, right now two six and one teams. That is that is must see TV, especially the way Minnesota's playing right now, uh, offensively, defensively. They got some little things to correct, but uh, great, good win for Buffalo coming off the bye at home. Great energy uh, in that stadium as always. Uh, in Green Bay, it's it's about what I expect. It's a, it's about what I expect at this point. Defense gets off to a slow start, and then the coach either doesn't figure out at halftime when he has a lead or when he has a deficit. That's when he figures it out. At that point, it's too late. So that's why I look at with the Packers right now. But you know, right now with 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 what I'm seeing, though, from Aaron Rodgers, I didn't have an issue with with how he played that game. I like the fact that he took shots down the field. He seemed to have a lot of trust. I mean, he didn't really have much of a choice because of the injuries, but he seemed to trust his receivers more uh, after publicly, numerous times, publicly dissing them over the course of seven days last week. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers said uh, R-E-L-A-X back in 2014. I'll say P-A-N-I-C. P-A-N-I-C, because that's where the Packers are at right now. Uh, especially with their schedule, by the way. You look at Green Bay's schedule moving forward, then I'll move on to the next segment. Uh, feel, feel free to chime in the comment section. Any especially Halloween thoughts? You guys going for anything for Halloween this year? Let me know in the comment section. like to see that. Uh, the Packers got the Lions, and they got Dallas uh, at home. Home against the Titans at Philadelphia. That should be a bloodbath. At Chicago, of course, Aaron Rodgers does still own the Bears. Uh, home against the Rams at Miami. Home against the Vikings. Home against the Detroit Lions. So, there's some tough ones. There's some tough. I mean, Dallas looks to be the, the the fourth, third, or fourth best team in the NFC. Philadelphia looks to be the best team in the NFC without NFC without a question. Crap, they're seven and zero. I get the schedule's light, but they are. It's not like a situation where it's an undefeated team who's playing down to their competition. We've seen teams do that. Heck, we saw the Steelers do that two years ago. Steelers started eleven and zero, didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Okay, because they were a fraud. They they took advantage of a weak schedule. We're barely beating this these teams. 
uh, on this week's schedule. And then once they started to face a little bit of competition, they folded, especially with some of the injuries that they suffered. Uh, I do not see Philadelphia in that same light whatsoever. But, uh, but yeah, Green Bay's schedule, to say the very least, is pretty brutal moving forward. Moving on to what was America's Game of the Week, Rams 49ers, second game that the Niners have been on that big uh, Fox game. I picked the Rams to win this game for the simple fact that they were coming off a bye. Uh, for for the sort of pride factor that there is, the fact that uh, you know losing to the Rams, I'm sorry, losing to the Niners seven straight times in the regular season, you're at home, you know it's basically going to be a road game because those Niners fans take over SoFi Stadium. I mean, it's like I was hearing somebody say earlier this morning that that uh, it feels like the Niners have more fans in Los Angeles than the Rams do, and. I don't know. I've seen three games in the calendar year 2022 in SoFi Stadium that featured the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. All three, it has been overwhelmingly scarlet and, and gold, okay? It has not been a whole lot of blue and, and gold, uh, or blue and yellow, really, for, for the Rams. But the Rams won this game. By the way, I thought, you know, Debo Samuel, I thought, would, would, would hurt the 49ers a little bit. But uh, the Niners won this game pretty convincingly, especially in the second half. 31 to 14. I got to give Jimmy Garoppolo's props. I've been very critical of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for a long time in the show. I bring up, won't do it today because he played well yesterday, but I constantly pull up his stat line in the postseason, which is less than impressive to say the very least. He has not led them to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game. He has simply been a beneficiary of what's been around him in terms of the game plan, in terms of personnel, certainly in terms of the defense uh, the, the, that he's got uh, backing him up, and even the special teams in one case against the Packers. But Jimmy Garoppolo played well yesterday, right? He had 235 yards, two touchdowns, QBR of 81, and a great pass rating, 132. Ironically enough, it was actually the second best pass rating of his own team because Christian McCaffrey threw a touchdown pass, and he had a perfect pass rating of 158.3. But uh, it's funny, I talk about, I said that that uh, Christian McCaffrey, what the Niners did is they added a second Debo Samuel because their skill sets are so similar. that They are two of, how many players in the NFL could do this? Can have 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. Debo can do it. Christian McCaffrey has already done it. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of somebody else that, that can. It's, a name is not registering uh, to my brain at this particular moment in time. But it's ironic that I said that last week. And and Christian McCaffrey, you know, I, I always talk about Devo Samuel. He's the best overall offensive player in the NFL because he can run tough for touchdowns. He can catch touchdowns. I, I mentioned that he threw a touchdown pass uh, to Juwan Jennings, uh, you know, against the, the Rams last year. You know, ironically enough, Christian McCaffrey can run touchdowns. He can catch touchdowns, which he did both yesterday. And he threw a 34-yard strike to Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown. And this is why I said that the trade was absolutely, overwhelmingly going to be in favor of the 49ers. And it goes back to what I've always said in sports. If you feel you're on the cusp, go for it. Don't be the Green Bay Packers, you know, kind of, you know, set in their ways. We got one way to win. We do it through the draft. It's homegrown, and we're going to, you know, Aaron Rodgers and this, that. No, you need to bring some outside sources in. Need, need need to bring some people in to try and help you win. That's what the Ravens just did today with Roquan Smith. Okay, that's what, you know, a lot, a lot of these teams have done. That's why the Niners brought in McCaffrey. Yeah, they've got that Wilson kid, who, by the way, seems to be pretty good. Yeah, they got Elijah Mitchell. Yes, they can run the ball with Debo Samuel when he's healthy. But why not upgrade? 
Because like I said, do, are the 49ers a better team with Christian McCaffrey than without him? Well, of course they are. Christian McCaffrey is an all-pro running back. Go for it. Be the Los Angeles Rams last year going out and getting, getting Von Miller and OBJ. And before that, trading for Matthew Stafford, who was an upgrade over Jared Goff. Be the Buffalo Bills going after Von Miller and possibly also going out and getting OBJ. That is the way to win in the NFL. Not being the Packers the last couple of years. Well, we're winning 13 games. Don't want to mess with a good thing going on, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, where'd that get you? Knocked out in the playoffs twice at home. Including in one instance where you gave up 13 points and still lost because your offense couldn't do anything. Because once the Niners took away Devontae Adams and they took away Aaron Jones, well, Aaron Rodgers, we know his trust issues, not just with his receivers, but people off the field, he's not going to anybody else. So with, with the 49ers, what they're doing here, love it. This, this is what I've always talked about in sports. This is why I love John Lynch as a general manager. You know, we, we see the, the, the meme all the time, F them picks. People are too married oftentimes to picks because, again, the, the Niners gave up, was it two seconds or two-fourths? What are the chances that collectively that those picks are going to pan out to be as effective for San Francisco than Christian McCaffrey? We don't know that. We don't we know we know that Christian McCaffrey is fantastic. We know that three years ago, just three years ago, and he's had two injury riddled years since the so the last time he was fully healthy. Thousand yards rushing, thousand yard receiving. I believe he's one of only three players in NFL history to do that. And he's available. Oh, wait, wait, by this by the way, the team that we could meet in the Super Bowl if we get there, they want him. The Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, wait. The team that's in our own division who just won the Super Bowl last year, they want him. You think the Rams don't regret not getting Christian McCaffrey today? This is what I love about the Niners and the way they do business. This is what I love about the Rams last year and the Bills. Go for it. You know, Steve Harvey, love Steve Harvey, talks all the time about, you know, when you're when you're uncertain of something, but, you know, you're, you got a big dream, he, he says, jump. Just jump. This is what the 49ers have done. They jumped. They went out and got Christian McCaffrey. To go because if, if there is no Debo Samuel, okay, don't change your game plan whatsoever. Long as number twenty three is in the lineup for you, because you can use him the same way that you could use Debo Samuel, along with Brandon Ayuk, and along with George Kittle, who caught the touchdown at the end of the game that put the game out of reach for Los Angeles. Not to mention that you have one of, if not the best defensive line in the National Football League, who gave Matt Stafford a long, long day back there in the pocket. So that this is, I love the fact that the Niners made this trade, and I kind of love the fact that that they're that they their second game with Christian McCaffrey, that they not only beat the Rams but beat them badly. No, it's nothing against the Rams. I picked the Rams. I wanted the Rams to win, but the fact that they sort of made a statement to the NFL that, man, if you're close, and there's a lot of teams in the NFL that are that close. Man, go for it. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles, go get go get Robert Quinn. That draft pick, the chances of that draft pick panning out as opposed to what Robert Quinn can give you right now, it's astronomical. Go get A.J. Brown in free agency. If you have a good scouting department, great. The Niners do. The Eagles do. The Bills do. This is why so often teams like Green Bay are not able to go over the top, get over the top, despite having elite quarterback, despite having elite players at certain positions, such as in the past Devontae Adams or like now Jair Alexander or David Bakhtiari. 
because they're not able to fill, not able to fill in these those little skill positions. Or if there's a a big time player and all a team wants is draft picks, all they want is draft picks. Especially if you're sure of what you have at the quarterback position, San Francisco doesn't even know if Jimmy G is going to be there next year. They don't know. Like we don't care. We want to win the Super Bowl this year. No time like the present, after all. I love it. And and they, listen, there's value in playing the long game. If you're a bad team, if you're Carolina, yeah, you should be getting picks if you're Carolina. If you are the Chicago Bears, I just saw that with the number of picks the Bears have next year, the Bears have like, like eight, nine, ten draft picks next year in the draft. Good for them. That's how the Bears are going to try and rebuild this thing. Bears aren't close to winning a Super Bowl. Niners are. This is why I said San Francisco won the trade. And so I, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I believe... If I'm not mistaken, he I think he's the only player in NFL history since the the merger, or no, it might have been since 2009. It was it was it's it's been a while since a player has caught a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and thrown a touchdown in the same game. Like it's been a while since that happened, and Christian McCaffrey did that because he is one of the best players uh, in the NFL on the offensive side of the football. Uh, but again, I, I kind of got a kick out of of seeing San Francisco do that just to sort of make an example of the Rams and of the entire NFL. That if you're close, Steve Harvey said. Jump. That's simple. But uh, before I get to the Cowboys game, which was fascinating, and some of the things surrounding the Cowboys game that were fascinating, do want to go through some of the other games in the NFL. I'd like to do this when I have the time. Uh, Broncos-Jaguars, the early morning game. Uh, it is a good thing Denver won this game for two reasons. Number one, it's good for it. I don't know if it's good for the Broncos that they won this game for the sake of not firing Nathaniel Hackett, which I thought they should have done last week anyway. But Nathaniel Hackett is the Broncos coach for at least another week, for what it's worth. Russell Wilson, I thought, played excellent in the second half. He was tremendous. Used his legs, had that beautiful deep ball to K.J. Hamler, was accurate. Uh, Seemed to have more poise in the pocket than I've seen from him in a while. But of course, I keep the Jaguars keep getting me, folks. The Jaguars keep getting me. I, I, I took the Jaguars to win again. And Trevor Lawrence got me. Interception in the game. This is like he's had numerous occasions. It's like, it's, it, it's, I don't know if it's a number one pick syndrome. I don't know what it is. But Trevor Lawrence, Matt Stafford, they, they can't help themselves. They have to throw picks. It's like they, they signed some of their deal. They got to throw at least one pick a game or at least one crushing interception. One, what are you doing interception per game? But, uh, but, but for Jacksonville, this is what I predicted for them going into the season. They're a six-win team. And the majority of their losses, if not to this point, all of their losses come down to the last second. And that's exactly what's been the case. Uh, Denver was better situationally late than Jacksonville, which I did not anticipate. Uh, this is arguably the Broncos' best offensive performance to this point in the season. I mean, for what it's worth, Russell did have a pass rating of 84, did throw for 252. Completion percentage wasn't awful. Credit where credit's due. Russ played well. Do I expect that to continue given Denver's schedule? Absolutely not. At Tennessee, they should beat the Raiders. They should beat the Panthers. Then they got at Baltimore, Kansas City, Arizona, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. This team's going to have a hard time getting to seven or eight wins. A hard time, given the coaching situation, given the limitations at quarterback. I still believe it's going to be a long season for Denver, but good win for the Broncos. Uh, Falcons, Panthers, what a game that was. Back and forth, Marcus Mariota is playing out of his mind right now. Arthur Smith, which I love the Arthur Smith hiring from the beginning uh, when he was hired by the Falcons before the 2021 season. I think he's a tremendous offensive mind. And he he goes to Atlanta, and 
with Marcus Mariota, with some of those offensive pieces, Drake London, who you guys know I'm a huge fan of, Kyle Pitts and company, scored 37 points against Carolina. Obviously, everybody's talking about the end of the game where P.J. Walker, a guy who was in the, was it the XFL? Like three years ago, makes the th third string quarterback coming in behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. He's the third string to those guys and makes the throw of his life with 15 seconds left. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To D DJ Moore, who I've been campaigning for the Cowboys to trade for. And DJ Moore makes a great catch, beats the defense, scores a touchdown. The game is tied before the extra point, and he does the ultimate, oh, what are you doing? He takes his helmet off, which we all know is automatic 15 yards, unsportsmanlike conduct, which Arthur Smith, credit to him, credit to Arthur Smith, okay, because he could have taken that 15-yard penalty on the kickoff, and then Atlanta would have been down one, of course, with Eddie Pinheiro kicking. It might have still been tied. Who knows? Because he was missing field goals all over the place yesterday, including in overtime. But Atlanta could have gotten the ball, maybe gotten into field goal range and maybe tried a 60-yarder to win it. Nope. He took the penalty on the extra point, made it a 48-yard extra point, which Eddie Pinheiro, of course, missed. A lot of people are kind of deciding, hey, who do, who do we blame? Because, you know, it's, it's Twitter, so we got to blame somebody. Who, who's the blame going? Well, I'll make it easy for you. I'll do something that, that Twitter does not do, that social media does not do, is that it's it's both people's fault. It's You can have two thoughts at once. DJ Moore made a boneheaded mistake taking his helmet off in the field of play after the touchdown. I don't necessarily agree with the call, or not the call, but the, the, the fact that that is a penalty. I don't love it. I'm, listen, as long as you're not, like, hurting anybody, I'm, I'm, I don't care what, what celebration you do. I, I, honestly, I could care less what celebration you do. But that is the rule. And DJ Moore needed to be aware of that at that point in time. Emotions got the best of him, took his helmet off 15 yards, and the game ended up going to overtime, which, of course, uh, Atlanta ended up winning uh, on a walk-off kick by Young Hoku. But Atlanta today, how about this? We're halfway through the 2022 NFL season. And in a division that has the well-run Saints and that has the greatest quarterback of all time, it is the Atlanta Falcons led by Marcus Mariota who are first place in their division. That's why we love the NFL. Seattle, you know, the Seattle story of the Giants and the Jets, although I'll get to the Jets in just a second. They, they looked awful yesterday, but especially offensively, especially the quarterback. But that's, that's, that, that's why we love the NFL. What Atlanta did yesterday, unbelievable. Miami beat uh, Detroit 31-27. to uh, I know uh, a lot of you uh, Tua fans, Tua and on as it's been dubbed, and as I've uh, delightfully called it that, although they're not as damaging as the, it's, it, the, the thing that it's named after. But the point is, a lot of Tua fans out there have been, man, Bryce, you were wrong about Tua, or 4-0 with Tua. He's got all the touchdowns, leading, leading, and pass rating. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's cute. Um, okay. First one came against the New England Patriots. It's with Mac Jones. Is, is that, that very impressive? Second win on the road against the Baltimore Ravens defense that was the worst secondary in football at that point in time. 
Went against the Buffalo Bills, which was impressive, but Tua didn't play that well. Although I'll give him the concussion excuse because he should not have even finished that game. Pittsburgh. Four interceptions dropped. If Pittsburgh corrals two of those, Miami loses that game last week. And then against Detroit. The worst pass defense in professional football. In a dome. You were playing from behind against Jared Goff. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and company and Mike Gusecki, I'd sure hope you win that game. I'm still seeing the, the fact, yeah, I was talking about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' arm, I don't know what's happened over an offseason. It's gotten better. Like, that was one of my criticisms of Hurts. Like, man, he could push the ball down the field now. Tua? Nope. Let's, let's see. Who's the Dolphins' December schedule? Okay, in December, at San Francisco, weather won't be a factor there. At Chargers, same situation. At Buffalo? It gets cold in Buffalo. Okay, home against the Packers, they'll have the advantage there. At Foxborough, they, they'll probably beat the Patriots, but it is cold in Foxborough in the winter. And should Miami make the playoffs, they're not beating the Buffalo for the division, so they're going to be playing on the road against Cincinnati. We know Cincinnati gets, gets obviously gets cold in the winter. Uh, looking at the playoff standings right now, Tennessee. Trust me, I live in Tennessee, not in Nashville, but I live in, in, in this beautiful state. We don't get enough credit for how cold it gets in the winter, man. It gets cold. Like, really, it's not like it's not like Minnesota or Wisconsin cold, but it, it, it gets cold up here. Baltimore, cold in Baltimore. When you have a quarterback who arm strength is is not only not a, a strength of his, but a weakness, well, that's going to be an issue moving forward. So, no, I have not been proven wrong on Tua. Stop it. Or Mike McDaniel, for that matter. Uh, moving on, let's see. Vikings-Cardinals. That was the game that I went back and forth on. Thank God. I, I'm, I'm like, thank my lucky stars. I picked the, the Vikings to win. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray were uh, once, once again sensational. Kyler, I'm sorry, DeAndre had 159 yards receiving, had that phenomenal catch in the end zone, one-handed with his left hand at the end of the first half. But Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury once again into the game. Terrible situationally, unaware of the clock. Just seemed disorganized, discombobulated. Good chance Cliff Kingsbury, despite the extension, is probably going to lose his job at season's end. Obviously, you're not going to let go of Kyler Murray because a you can't because uh, he's you know got a big contract. B, I mean, who you who you going to upgrade? I mean, this is not you're, you're probably not going to replace Kyler Murray in one year. Um, the Minnesota looked great. I, I picked Minnesota win because they were coming off a bye. Kirk Cousins played well. They were really good in the red zone. They were efficient. Uh, you know, did, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, that's 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 what I expected from Minnesota this year. I said coming into the season, they lost a lot of close games last year. This year, with an upgraded head coach and Kevin O'Connell, who I predicted would be the coach of the year this year, Minnesota would not only be a playoff team, but they would win the NFC North and win a playoff game. Uh, and that that's what it's looking like thus far through the first part of the season. Um Let's see, Raiders-Saints, that was my Bryson's bleak bet game, and uh, it was anything but bleak. It's a good thing I picked the Saints because the Saints shut out uh, the Vegas Raiders 24 to nothing. Um, listen, man, Derek Carr is my guy. I love Derek Carr. Like, I, I seriously, Derek Carr is one of my favorite players in the NFL. It's been him. It's been Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson, the three, to me, most over-criticized quarterbacks in the NFL. Love Derek Carr. I can, there is, there is nothing that I can say whatsoever that can possibly defend whatever that was yesterday. Barely, literally 101 yards passing, barely broke a hundred and broke it in garbage time. An interception, QBR 14, passer rating of 50, should have been worse. And then Devontae Adams. One catch for three yards. 
Many people consider you the best receiver in football. And Marshawn Lattimore, who is arguably the best corner in football. I love Marshawn Lattimore. But great offense beats great defense any day of the week. And you get held by Marshawn Lattimore to a catch for three more yards than I had. Come on, bro. Listen, listen, Derek Carr is obviously not Aaron Rodgers. We, that, that doesn't take a genius to point that out. But that's unacceptable. The Saints have not been playing well defensively. Like, I thought it'd be more of a shootout-type game where the Raiders made one mistake, weren't good situationally. But one last name to bring up. Josh McDaniels. I was... A lot of people love Josh McDaniels in New England. So, oh, he's this great play caller with Tom Brady. Was he? Oh, did he just have Tom Brady at quarterback? Adam Gase had Peyton Manning at quarterback. Nathaniel Hackett had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. It's not to say you can't be a great coach having a great quarterback. There's been plenty of guys. Plenty of guys have been... I mean, Andy Reid had Brett Favre. Andy Reid's one of the best coaches of all time, in my view. My opinion, if you if you ask me, rank the coaches top to bottom, I'm probably putting Andy Reid on the, at my top spot. I'm putting him over Belichick, putting him over everybody. Okay, I think Andy Reid's a tremendous coach. It doesn't mean if you have an elite quarterback, you can't be a great coach. But we got to be really careful about if we have a little bit of suspicion, like, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not seeing it right now. Through, through him as a coordinator, as a play caller, or whatever his role is with, with his uh, previous destination. Well, I mean, listen, he, he worked with a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Maybe he can turn our quarterback into that. No, he can't. Josh McDaniels was a disaster in Denver, and he's been a disaster thus far with a very talented Raiders roster. A Raiders roster, which, by the way, wasn't this good last year because they added Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams, although Devontae gave you nothing. But this Raiders roster essentially... Made the playoffs last year with Ritz Passaccia, who had never coached a game in his life before last year. I, I, I said on the show at the time, I said they need to, they need to make Passaccia their full-time head coach. The players loved him. They bought into him. They were disciplined, which Raiders teams are never disciplined because they tend to hire bad coaches, which they apparently have done once again. Um, yeah, that Josh McDaniel's in over his head, like just like I predicted. I thought the Raiders would make the playoffs because I trusted Carr and Adams and a slight improvement defensively. No. No, this is easy. This team's worse than Denver. At least Denver has an elite defense. At least they got that. At least they have some playmakers in the offensive side of the ball. Vegas is a disaster. Everybody deserves blame. My man Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and to me, most of all, Josh McDaniels. It's embarrassing what they put on that field in the Superdome yesterday. Patriots, Jets. I got reactions to both. Or actually, let me just tie it up in one nice little cute bow. Both quarterbacks are draft busts. They are. Mac Jones a draft bust. I was right on him. Zach Wilson was a draft bust. I was right on him too. They are both exactly, exactly what I thought that they would be when they were drafted. Starting with the losing quarterback, Zach Wilson, who the Jets have won in spite of. They've won running the football and with, with defense and with great situational play under coach Robert, uh, Robert Saul. I think, I think Robert Saul is an excellent head coach. I really do. I've, I've always been a Robert Sala fan, but if you look at how the jets have called these games, it's a little, it's, you know, it's ironically, it's, it's, it's very similar to where Robert Sala used to coach the 49ers. They try to sort of mask Jimmy G into all, all the piece they have into the game plan that they have. That's what the jets have done. And yesterday they could not, they could not mask Zach Wilson anymore. He's mistake prone. 
He's he's got a low football IQ. Yes, his arm is fantastic. But that you got to give me more. You got to give me accuracy. You got to give me good decision making. You got to give me poise and, and good movement in the pocket. You can't give me a QBR of 24 with three picks. Okay, but Zach Wilson's everything I thought it'd be. I, I knew just partly because of where he went in New York with the Jets, because as I always say, the New York Jets are where young quarterback streams go to die. You got a long list of names I can I can show you to prove that. But this this is exactly what I thought Zach Wilson would be, in part because it's, it's who he was in college. He's essentially a less talented Jameis Winston. Big arm, mistake prone, not the greatest football IQ, doesn't move that well in the pocket. Now, Zach Wilson's a better athlete than Jameis is, but it's kind of the same guy. And then as for Mac Jones. <laughs> uh, as the great John Madden once said, the late great John Madden, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. We are going to be discussing Zappy versus Jones for the rest of the season. Now, the difference is Bailey Zappy is a fourth-round draft pick out of, was it Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, somewhere in Kentucky. Mac Jones was the 15th overall pick back in 2021 out of the University of Alabama. He was awful yesterday. Terrible in the red zone. Every single time it looked like the Patriots were going to pull away, he'd make a mistake. Every time. Missed throws. He had a pick. Again, settling for too many field goals. Again, that's that'll work against the Jets, especially when you're playing from ahead, uh, from ahead and, and the Jets have to rely on Zach Wilson to carry them. But long term, this is why I don't think the Patriots are a playoff team, folks. Look, I get the offensive line's bad. I get that the receiving core is bad. They didn't affect Bailey Zappi that much. Mac Jones is a draft bust. Hey, when are we going to admit this? That if the situation is not absolutely perfect like it was last year, you get the running game, the defense gets you turnovers, you're working off play action, you got third down and two. No, how about... How about offensive line? We got some injuries to our left tackle and our right guard. Number one receiver's down. Running game isn't really working today. Don't win us the game, Mac Jones. He can't do that. It's a good thing they were playing the Jets yesterday because it didn't cost you a win. But Mac Jones and Zach Wilson are both draft busts. It's conclusive. It's obvious. Both teams win in spite of their quarterbacks. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, which, it's a little concerning because... To this point, which is their second year, we're not going to panic. But none of the 2021 quarterbacks have played out yet. Trevor Lawrence is immensely talented, but guy turns the ball over too much. Zach Wilson turns the ball over too much, but unlike Trevor Lawrence, doesn't really give, give you a whole lot of wild plays. Doesn't really move the ball down the field with his arm. Gets a lot of help from his running game. Okay, Trey Lance has barely played, and when he has played, and I was huge on Trey Lance coming out of the draft. You guys know that. He hasn't, hasn't looked that great despite some of the weapons that San Francisco has. Justin Fields, you saw it yesterday, about to talk about Bears-Cowboys, had his moments, but misses too many throws. Uh, you know, he turns the ball over, too many fumble. Not a great pocket awareness, which all in defense of him, his offensive line's terrible. But Justin Fields isn't pan out into what we thought he'd be. And Mac Jones, I called Mac Jones, <laughs> called that out of left field. That's, he's limited. He's very limited. He's a backup quarterback. If he's not got a great, if he does have a great pocket, if he does have the running game to support him, he doesn't have a good arm, 
His accuracy has, has plummeted, almost like Baker Mayfield. Remember Baker came in the NFL, and that was what everybody talked about. Oh, my God, this kid's so accurate. And we saw it his rookie year, and then ever since, it's it's like just left him. I, I, I can't really explain it, but it has. Same with Mac Jones. He, he's a draft bust. Um, Eagles took care of the Steelers in convincing fashion, which we all pretty much thought they would. Um, Jalen Hurts was outstanding. A.J. Brown had three touchdown catches. Uh, the defense was outstanding, albeit against a Pittsburgh Steelers offense that – frankly, isn't very good. But again, you look at Philadelphia's schedule, they're not going to go undefeated. I think Dallas will beat them on Christmas Eve. Uh, I, th- I think, who, who does Philadelphia play? They play somebody else late in the season. That's tough. Uh, Tennessee is not a gimme. Um, let's see. The Giants, not a gimme either. They play the Giants twice. The Saints are no pushover. So I, I got the Eagles finishing 14-3. and They'll finish 14th, and, and they'll probably lose a game late in the season just because they're resting their starters. They've already clinched the one seed. They clinched the NFC East, which, by the way, may I re-nickname the NFC Beast because it is a beast. It is by far the best teams uh, in the NFL or in the, in, in, in the NFC. I think it's the best division record combined between Philadelphia, Dallas, New York, and Washington. Best combined division record since the, the 1970 merger. It's pretty good. Uh, but Philadelphia looked outstanding. I, I don't need to really break that down a whole lot. They were they were fantastic. Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown have a great connection. Uh, Titans, Derrick Henry, I predicted it on the show. Did I predict it on the show on Friday? Which was, by the way, if I were a betting man, which the Texans scared me a little bit. I thought I was going to get it wrong. But Derrick Henry, I said Derrick Henry would run for 200 yards against the Houston Texans. Derrick Henry, 32 carries, which is unbelievable. 32 carries for 219 yards, two touchdowns. I'm telling y'all, this man owns the Houston Texans. Every time he plays Houston, in Houston, dude goes off. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Didn't have to make, you know, Malik Willis didn't play particularly well. It was his first NFL start. Uh, but, yeah, listen, he didn't, he didn't have to. When, you, when you've got King Henry back there, don't have to worry about you, what, whoever your quarterback is. If, you're, if I'm your quarterback, Okay. Derrick Henry is going to run you the victory. Uh, Washington, the Colts, a very exciting finish at the end. I mean, for a game that featured Taylor Heineke and Sam Ellinger as the two quarterbacks, very exciting game. Came down the wire. That was my upset of the week. Uh, I had Washington winning. Uh, Terry McLaurin, the most underrated receiver in the NFL, mossed a guy at the one-yard line. Taylor Heineke ran in for the, for the winning score with 22 seconds left, and the Commanders uh, are 500 on a three-game winning streak. Washington Commanders have a, have a pulse. Something else I predicted. I said Derrick Henry would run for 200 against the, the Texans. That's exactly what happened. I predicted when Carson Wentz went down, Taylor Heineke will not give the starting job back. You sure, the, you sure Washington's going to go back to Carson Wentz now? I mean, Taylor Heineke isn't lighting the world on fire. I mean, he's not. But this is a situation where like we're with Rush and Dak where, okay, Cooper Rush is playing pretty well, but there is a sizable gap between him and Dak Prescott. Wentz is probably better than Heineke, but given Wentz's bad decision-making, happy feet in the pocket, uh, the fact that his teammates don't seem to like him all that much, which was the case in Philly and in Indianapolis, I don't know. Washington's won three straight games. 
His team, Heineke's teammates rave about him. They love him a lot more than they love Wentz. I think Taylor Heineke's not giving up that job anytime soon. And the Seahawks beating the Giants last game before I talk about Dallas and uh, Chicago. Uh, the Geno Smith story continues. Uh, he had a couple touchdown passes uh, to Tyler Lockett. Or one went to Tyler Lockett. Uh, DK Metcalf doing DK Metcalf things. Uh, the running game, Kenneth Walker was excellent yesterday. Uh, and this is why I picked Seattle to win. I felt like they had the advantage at quarterback with Geno Smith. As good as the Giants defense is, when you have the weapons that Seattle has, when you're able to run the ball like Seattle's been able to run it, and when you have the defense that Seattle has had over the last few weeks, Pete Carroll, defensive coach, has gotten that side of the ball right. Eventually, the Giants are going to have to ask Daniel Jones to win a game for him, and I do not think he is capable of doing just that. So a good win for Seattle. They still sit atop the NFC West, even above San Francisco, who many consider the the second best or the best team in the NFC. It is the Seattle Seahawks who are a game above them. Again, why we love the NFL. Why we love the NFL. Dallas, Chicago. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, first of all, uh, there's a, there's sort of a controversy surrounding the Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott thing. For those of you who don't know, Ezekiel Elliott did not play uh, yesterday. He he dealt with a knee injury. He had a, had a pretty brutal hit against the Detroit Lions. He finished that game uh, but didn't practice all week and was not able to go yesterday against the Bears. Uh, but lucky for the Cowboys, their backup running back would start on probably 20 teams in the NFL, that being Tony Pollard, because he ran. He had 15, uh, 14 carries for a buck 31, three touchdowns, and averaged nine yards a carry. And I, I, listen, I heard on the radio this morning that Tony Pollard, he is the first running back to have less than 15 carries and run for over 100 yards and three touchdowns since like the early 90s. So it's pretty historic what Pollard did yesterday. Like when he got the ball, he took advantage. Uh, we know he's obviously more explosive than Zeke. He, I mean, I've been on this for a few years now. I think Zeke has a role in Dallas. I'm not of the mindset that I'll just move on from Zeke. I've, I've never been of that mindset. Zeke is, is still has a role in Dallas. He's great for third and short situations. But when we talk, we hear teams talk about all the time. We want to establish the running game. And Dallas has been as vocal about that as anybody. We want to establish the run. We want to establish the run. We're a running football team. We've heard that ever since Dak and Zeke's rookie year. Well, Zeke can't establish the run anymore. He is not the type of back where on first down he can get you five, six yards. He can get you three and a good, good carry four. But he is not an explosive back. He is a short yardage back. He is on second and five. Give it to Zeke. Make it third and two. Third and one. And give it to him again if it's third and one. If it's fourth and one, give it to Zeke. I, I'll trust Zeke up the middle, especially than Tony Pollard. But in terms of explosiveness, quickness, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, uh, acceleration that this guy has, Tony Pollard's a better running back today than Zeke. I mean, I've been saying this since 2020. I think people have come around to it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I know Jerry Jones said after the game, you know, where you go as Zeke goes. <laughs> okay, if you... You're not going to go too far if, if that's if that's your mantra. Because offensively, you go as Dak goes. And then as Tony Pollard goes. And then whoever your receivers are on that given day, whether it be Gallup or Lamb or Noah Brown, who didn't play yesterday. You do not go as Ezekiel Elliott goes. You did in 2016, although Dak was outstanding his rookie year, but it was kind of a tandem. You don't go as Zeke goes anymore. You go as Tony Pollard goes. And, and the second thing, I, I sort of briefly mentioned him. I say it over and over, and I'm going to say it again. Y'all say it with me, folks. You know his name. Rain Dakota Prescott. Whew! Man, see that guy yesterday? 
It was all he was throwing it all over the field. 250, two touchdowns, ran for a touchdown, had the best QBR in the National Football League yesterday at a 93.8. Passer rating of 114.5. Oh my goodness. He was he was dealing, wheeling and dealing to Gallup. He had a beautiful touchdown throw to CD Lamb. I mean, it's it, he was magnificent. By the way, reason I'm all going on and on about Dak Prescott. He's like, Bryce, it's the Chicago Bears. This isn't like the the, the Bills or something. Yeah, it's not the Bills. I don't know. Does, is the second best pass defense in football? Does that sound pretty good to you? Because that's what the Bears were coming into this game. And Dak Prescott, with no true number one receiver because CeeDee Lamb is not. I said that before the season. I think he's proven to be just that, a number two receiver, not a one. Go get OBJ, Jerry. Uh, but against the number two pass defense in the NFL with no true number one receiver, Albeit, they get help from the run game. I'll acknowledge that. But Dak Prescott had the best QBR in the NFL and was just outstanding. Again, there was the interception, obviously, Eddie Jackson, who is a ball hawk if there ever was one, out of where? The University of Alabama. That's what they do. They produce ball hawking corners there. But that was a situation where Dak looks off the linebacker, has CeeDee Lamb. And CD just keeps running. He CD out of his peripheral, out of his left eye, sees Eddie Jackson coming to make a play on the ball. And CD Lamb, just like in Philadelphia, he didn't help Cooper Rush. Remember, Cooper Rush got hit, just got crushed back there, threw a deep ball down the left sideline. It was catchable, but CD Lamb's like, I don't want that contact. No, I don't want, I don't want that. And as a result, it gets intercepted. Same case yesterday. CD Lamb don't want that smoke. Eddie Jackson does. Eddie Jackson got the football. C.D. Lamb did not. Uh, but was, again, aside from the one mistake, Dak was just absolutely outstanding yesterday. He's phenomenal. Uh, the running game was excellent. Ran for 200 even. Uh, Tony Pollard, I mentioned his stat line. Micah Parsons doing what Micah Parsons always does. He is showing once again why I think he's going to be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. He had the scoop and score in which Justin Fields inexplicably, inexplicably did not touch him when Micah Parsons' knee was down. So Micah had the presence of mind, picked that football up, run to the house, which pretty much put the game out of reach at that point. But Chicago kind of did offensively what I thought they'd do. Run it right down Dallas's throat. And so this is now three straight games where the Bears have had 200 yards rushing. Justin Fields was running the football. David Montgomery was running it. Uh, Herbert was running a little bit. This is what Dallas, this is the way to beat Dallas, though. Get a lead on them. Eat the clock. Keep the ball out of the hands of Dak Prescott. And run it down Dallas's throat. That To me, that is what's going to be the death of the Cowboys. That, along with lack of situational awareness and penalties, that's what's going to be, get Dallas beat in the postseason. That's what I think separates Philadelphia, Minnesota, and San Francisco from Dallas. Dallas, to me, is the best Tier 2 team in the NFC. Today, I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. I mean, you know, listen, Dak's my guy. Should have wore my Dak hat today. But they are not a contender today. They're not. You, how am I supposed to call you a contender when teams consistently, over and over, run the football right down your throat? I mean, it's a good thing you had Dak Prescott at quarterback today, yesterday and not Cooper Rush. Because you're not getting 49 points, well, really 42 points because Micah Parsons had the touchdown. But still, you're not getting 42 points with Cooper Rush. You are with Dak. Dak set the tone early. The three touchdowns on the first three drives, he was excellent. Uh... I'm sorry, three touchdowns in the first four drives. Three out of the first four drives, uh, Dak Prescott scored a touch, either scored a touchdown or threw for a touchdown. Um, that is the Dak Prescott that I have known and loved.
It is the Dak Prescott that I have consistently defended and consistently dubbed clearly and obviously a top 10 quarterback. As I, as I always say, if his stats are in the top 10, if his wins are in the top 10, he's probably a top 10 quarterback. I don't know. We talk When we talk about the most successful guys, we talk about stats and wins. Dak's top 10 in both. Therefore, he is a top 10 quarterback. I don't. Well, let's not overthink this, folks. Um, but Dallas's buy is coming at a good time because that secondary is beat up. Malik Hooker out, Jordan Lewis down for the year. This is this is rough. So uh, for for the Cowboys, this is a this is a good win. Um, I figured that they would cover that ten point spread uh, over Chicago, but at the end of the day, th- th- this is to me this is still not yet a Super Bowl contender. But make no mistake about it, they made strides uh, in the right direction. Now tomorrow night at eight Eastern. 5 Pacific on ESPN. ESPN is going to come out with their college football playoff, or ESPN, is it's not theirs, they're just airing it. The college football committee is going to come out with their first rankings of the year. So we saw like the AP rankings came out yesterday. Tomorrow, the AP will be rendered irrelevant, thankfully, because AP to me doesn't get it right a whole lot. But AP is going to be rendered irrelevant for the rest of the college football season. The playoff ranking is what's going to matter. So uh, there's been a lot of debates. Who's the four playoff teams? Can you, is there a possibility, hey, in a Power 5 college football, are we going to get three teams from the SEC, that being Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama? It's in the cards. Is there a possibility that a team could get in without winning their division? Sure. It could be Tennessee. It could be Georgia. It could be Ohio State. could be Michigan. Absolutely. Is an undefeated Clemson team going to get pushed out? Yeah, possibly. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, looking at the college football rankings right now, you see where they're at. I'm just going to go put up right here. So, if if I had to do a college football rankings, this is what it would look like. So, first of all, who would be the first team the team's out? To me, it's Alabama and Oregon, okay? Alabama at number five, who still, listen, they control their own destiny. They have, to me, either the best or second best quarterback in college football, uh, a guy who I, I think could be the number one pick in the draft, that being Bryce Young. Uh, the fact that what he, was, what he is doing with an Alabama offensive line that by Alabama standards is as good as we expect, the fact that... Again, you know, considering the the receiving talent that he has hasn't lived up to, uh, up to par. Does that, the wins when is Alabama lined up without a first round receiver? It's been a while. Even last year they had Jamison Williams. Okay, they had uh, John Mechie. Get well soon, John Mechie. We're, we're, we're you know praying for you. Wish you the best. But this this is kind of unlike Alabama. Will Anderson is kind of their only major playmaker defensively, but because of their elite quarterback play because of the fact that they, they, they have Will Anderson defensively. Really, the shocker for me for Alabama has been the penalties. I mean, they're having double-digit penalties every game, which is shocking for a Nick Saban coach team. And I've got Oregon, not Clemson, not TCU. I've got Oregon sixth. People need to move past week one against Georgia, where they got walloped 49-3. they got to move past it. Why? Because what the College Football Playoff Committee always looks at, they look at strength of schedule, but they also look at how do you play down the stretch late. 
How do you play down the stretch? And when you look at Oregon, when you look at their schedule, since that loss, okay, against Georgia, because we know Oregon's not going to win the national championship even if they were to sneak in. But since, dropped 70 on Eastern Washington, dropped 41, won by three touchdowns against 12th-ranked BYU at the time, dropped 44 on Washington State, dropped 45 on Stanford, dropped 49 on Arizona, dropped 45 on an excellent UCLA secondary, and just dropped 42 on Cal. Uh, by the way, Cal, an area, uh, uh, a place that they have struggled mightily. Bo Nix was playing outstanding football. He's sixth in college football in QBR. He's not turned the ball over. He's distributing the ball accurately. Uh, they're converting the red zone. Uh, Oregon, despite the loss of Mario Cristobal to the University of Miami, has done a great job. You could argue this year they're better than they were last year. They are playing, playing their best ball right now. Don't be shocked if Oregon possibly snuck their way in the playoff. But they're my six. Okay? Now, as far as the playoff teams, who's number four? I got Michigan. To me, Michigan is the number four team in college football. They would be my last team to make it in the college football playoff. Here's what I'm looking at with the Michigan Wolverines. Okay, Blake Corum is in the Heisman race. He's done an unbelievable job running the football. Uh, uh, obviously, J.J. McCarthy is an upgrade over what they've had in recent years at the quarterback position. They've got some good playmakers to the outside. We know Michigan's defense is second in college football in points per game allowed. They have been phenomenal. Jim Harbaugh, once again, showing he is one of the premier coaches, not just in college football. Heck, just put football as a whole, add the NFL to that because he was a successful NFL coach. And most college coaches aren't that. To me, Michigan is number four. Number three, I got Georgia. Georgia, to me, is the third best team in the country, not first or not even second. Because when I look at Georgia this season, yes, they just destroyed, destroyed Oregon to start the season. But when I've watched Georgia this year, what's something else? The playoff has a lot of things that they look at. Strength of schedule, how you play late. They also look at margin of victory. And Georgia has struggled against immensely inferior opponents. Kent State, folks, Kent State, who today, as we as we speak, Kent State sits at three and five. Georgia only led by nine going in the fourth quarter. The defending national champion. Georgia Bulldogs, a team that many consider, some consider, I should say, the best team in college football, led by a grand total of nine points, heading into the fourth quarter against Kent State. Okay, the following week, they beat Missouri by four. It took a game-winning drive to beat Missouri. And Stetson Bennett. Everybody loves Stetson Bennett. The story, right, he's a, he's a walk-on and this and that. Stetson Bennett has not been impressive whatsoever. Okay, He's 82nd in touchdown passes in college football. Okay, when you when you rely on Stetson Bennett to go win you games if you're the Georgia Bulldogs, you're in trouble. We saw that in the SEC Championship game against Alabama. You say, what about the National Championship? What did they do in the fourth quarter to get that lead? They got turnovers, and they ran the football down Alabama's throat. That, to me, and that's why I'm, I'm favoring Tennessee. My balls to beat Georgia. Tennessee has all kinds of different ways to beat you. On both sides of the ball, by the way. They can get pressure on you. They can turn, make you turn the ball over. And offensively, we know what Hinden Hooker and everybody else represents. So, when I look at Georgia, they have one specific way to win. Basically, get the ball to Brock Bowers and stop it defensively. thing, though, for Georgia is, though, Strength of schedule is not good. Margin of victory is not good. But their defense, per usual, is fantastic. Number one in college football 
in points uh, points per game allowed. Only 10 points per game allowed by Georgia, although it's safe to say I think my ball is going to score more than 10 on Saturday. Number two, I got the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know a lot of people are kind of low on Ohio State after you know barely surviving, you know ba- barely surviving the uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions. But when you look at that fourth quarter performance by C.J. Stroud by that defense, f- phenomenal. Okay, C.J. Stroud to me is the best overall quarterback prospect. He has all the strengths of Will Levis, Bryce Young, and Kenan Hooker combined, along with the leadership. Now the only thing that hold me back on C.J. Stroud is the fact that. You know, he's he's uh, he's an Ohio State quarterback, and Ohio State quarterbacks usually don't translate to the NFL. But going back to margin of victory, you look at Ohio State. You know, I talk about Georgia kind of playing with their food a little bit against the likes of Missouri, Kent State. Okay, Ohio State won by, tw- uh, by uh, 32 against Arkansas State. Won by 56 against Toledo, scoring 77 points. Beat Wisconsin by 31 points. Beat Rutgers by 39 points. Beat Michigan State by 29 points. Beat Iowa by 44 points. And had a monster fourth quarter scoring 44 against a very good Penn State Nittany Lions defense. And so when I see Ohio State, is the strength of schedule there? No, it's not. But eye test? Okay? Even strength of schedule and margin of victory, they to me are a better football team than Georgia. That'd be a heck of the game that I would favor Ohio State to beat the Bulldogs in should that matchup come to pass. And what does that mean? You know exactly what that means. My University of Tennessee Volunteers are your number one team in the country. And here is why, as if I don't have to, as if it needs explaining. First of all, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five ranked victories this season at Pittsburgh, home against Florida, at LSU, which by the way, by the day is looking even better the way LSU is playing. Obviously, the the, the game of the year thus far in college football, beating Alabama, and then against 19th ranked Kentucky with a top 10 NFL draft prospect in Will Levis. My Vols won 44-6. Led by turnovers, especially in the red zone, moving the ball offensively as effort it makes it look easy. It makes it look as easy as anybody I've seen in college football since the 2019 LSU Tigers, led by Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and company. Hen and Hooker today in Vegas is the Heisman favor. I've been saying he's the Heisman favor for two weeks now. Jalen Hyatt, right now, right now, is the best receiver in college football along to me with Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. What a receiver that matchup would be should they face the national championship game. And margin of victory. Again, LSU, folks, is playing tremendous football right now. Tremendous football. LSU's going into the Sunday's Saturday's game against Alabama ranked 15th. My Vols went into, into Baton Rouge and beat them by 27 points. Dropped 40 on them. On a defense in LSU that has been playing lights out as of late. So, when I look at Tennessee, scoring, and now their defense is getting better. We knew they could get pressure on the quarterback, but now the secondary is improving. The Tennessee Volunteers, to me, unquestionably, unequivocally, undoubtedly, are the best team in college football. And if the committee gets it right, will be represented as such in the playoff. So there you go. One last look at it. That is my rankings uh, for the the college football playoff, what I think that they should be. Listen, no Clemson fans are going to be mad at me. Folks, has Clemson passed the eye test? Have they passed the test in terms of strength of schedule? Have they looked good in, you know, against inferior opponents? Not really. Quarterback play has been off. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I cannot say I'm impressed whatsoever with what I've seen from the Clemson Tigers. Um, 
Let's see. My man, Philip Chenault, is in the comments. What's up, Philip? He said, I think if Clemson wins out, wins the ACC championship, they should be in it because Ohio State or Michigan is going to have at least one loss because they play each other. I understand that, Philip. And I think it's un- I think it's unprecedented. I don't think because the playoffs started in 2014. I don't think an undefeated team has ever not gotten in. Was TCU undefeated in 2014? Maybe. And by the way, you can make an argument for for TCU. If TCU goes undefeated and wins the Pac-12, that to me is way more impressive than Clemson winning the ACC, which I think we all agree is the worst Power Five conference. Okay, to me, it's SEC, Big Ten. Shockingly, Pac-12 is third. They got USC and Utah and Oregon and UCLA. Pac Pac-12 is very good. Uh, you know, it's it's a shame for that conference that they're going to lose UCLA and, and USC to the Big Ten soon. But I get being undefeated, Philip. But Again, struggling against Syracuse at home. Syracuse is a good football team, but they just lost the other day. I mean, you're, you're telling me, like, it's, to me, and this is why sometimes a committee overthinks it. Who's the best team? Who's the best four teams? Is Clemson better than Tennessee? No. Ohio State, even with one loss, Ohio State or Michigan, or Tennessee or Georgia, or Alabama, or Oregon, with one loss. You look at the, I mean, let's let's just say for the sake of argument, before I get to my Bengals-Browns uh, prediction to end the show. Tennessee loses to Georgia on a walk-off field goal. Let's stay with that. Tennessee loses to Georgia on a walk-off field goal. Okay? They missed the SEC championship game. So it's going to be Georgia-Alabama. If Let's say Georgia wins, so that knocks Alabama out. So that Bama's got two losses, they're out of it. You're telling me that Tennessee's sitting there at 11 and 1 with the strength of schedule that they have. Their only loss being to the best team in the country on the road. Now, if Tennessee gets boat race, that's a different story. But let's say they lose by 10 or less. You're keeping them out? After the, what they looked like against Kentucky? After beating Alabama? After what they did against LSU on the road? Hard to keep them out. My man, Mike Guido. Shout out to Mike Guido. He says, tough to keep Clemson out if they go undefeated. Only I think only one Big Ten team, uh, only one Big Ten team gets in to SEC and Clemson. Okay, so that would be... So, Mike, who do you think the two SEC teams are? Because it'll be the SEC East champion whether that be Georgia or Tennessee. One of those teams are guaranteed they will get in the playoff. It'll be Georgia or Tennessee. They'll get in regardless of the outcome of the SEC championship game because one of those two teams will be undefeated, we assume. If Alabama wins, then Bama gets in. If Alabama loses, okay, so 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 uh, Guido's got his top four. Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson as of right now. Hmm. And and by the way, uh, Philip has Georgia Ohio State swapped. He he's got uh, Georgia two Ohio State three. Uh, Guido has Ohio State two Georgia three. Um, I mean, you can make an argument to switch switch both. I would take Ohio State over, over Georgia today. But if you want to make the argument just because a Georgia's the national champions after all, b they play in the tougher conference, and c their defense has been just incredible, albeit the opponents they face, but. We can't totally discount that uh, through the first part of the season. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it it really all comes down to what Alabama does because Bama does have one loss. 
Because let's say this. Last scenario, I'll get to Bengals-Browns. SEC East champion. Forget who it is. Forget who it is. Let's say it's Tennessee, because I think it's going to be Tennessee. Tennessee beats Georgia. Georgia misses the championship game. They have one loss. They face Alabama. Alabama loses. Then what happens? Tennessee obviously gets in. Big Ten champion, be it Ohio State, Michigan, they get in. Then you have to make a decision, okay. <laughs> it's so interesting. I guess at that point, you have to let Clemson in because they're undefeated. Then you're making a decision. Two loss Alabama, one loss either Michigan or Ohio State. Let's say it's Michigan. One loss Michigan or one loss Georgia. It probably ends up being Georgia because Bama has two losses. That brings them out. Georgia plays of a tougher conference. Their only loss would be to Tennessee, the best team in the country. So they get in. It, it, it's going to be very, this This is going to be one of the tighter playoff finishes I think we've seen since the playoff was instituted. And this, folks, is, is why they, in part for, for other reasons that I, I detailed uh, this summer, but this is why the, they, they, uh, the playoff is going to be 12 teams by around 2026. Guido says it's tough because I'd say uh, six teams are at least worthy. And Guido says Alabama will not get in for, with two losses. I, I, I agree with that, uh, Mike. He said uh, Alabama would have to run the table, and that might not get them in. No, that'll get them in. If Alabama runs the table, they'll get, they'll get in. Because their one loss would be at Tennessee, and they then they will have beaten Tennessee or Georgia in the championship game. There's no way Alabama is, is going to run the table and not get in. Um, but that's the interesting part, if Alabama does run the table. that that Then it becomes interesting. So a lot of different scenarios we can go through. But put it up one more time. That's my top uh, my top six. So my top four in the playoff and then the first two out. To me, it's, it's Alabama-Oregon because what I've seen from Oregon, they've been – Awesome through the, the last uh, six, seven games. The Bo Nix has played great football. All right, last segment of the day. Uh, I have had a great week in week eight of the NFL season. I'm 12-2, and two, folks. Only losses being thanks to Trevor Lawrence. Thanks, Trevor. And thanks to Christian McCaffrey doing what he did to the Rams. Only two games I've gotten incorrect. I've ran the table everywhere else. I'm doing what Alabama is hoping to do. So last game tonight, Halloween night. By the way, game three of the World Series tonight. I'll get I'll give a little world quick World Series analysis later. But you got the Cincinnati Bengals and you got the Cleveland Browns, an AFC North matchup featuring two orange-colored teams on Halloween. Cincinnati in this game is favored at minus three on the road in Cleveland. This is a fascinating game. Number one, fun fact heading in, Joe Burrow in his, albeit very short career, only three years to this point, has never beaten the Cleveland Browns. He's 0-3. By the way, in those games, hasn't played that great. The last game he played against the Browns, I'll, I believe in, gosh, I think that game is in Cincinnati. The Browns won that game, if I'm not mistaken, 41-14. to Joe Burrow had like a 100-yard pick six by his old teammate, Denzel Ward, his old Ohio State teammate, Denzel Ward. So Joe Burrow hasn't played particularly well against what is, you know, proven to be a solid Cleveland Browns defense over the years. Outside of the New England loss, all of Cleveland's losses have been by the skin of their teeth. Like, it feels like if you just plug in a true franchise quarterback, Cleveland could be sitting here possibly at 5-2, and two, given the way they've run the football with Nick Chubb. Uh, given the fact that Amari Cooper seemed to be a good fit with them, given the fact that Miles Garrett's been great, and Denzel Ward, like I mentioned earlier, has been great. The big loss for Cincinnati, though, for what is being reported four to six weeks. Jamar Chase out with the hip injury. That's a big, big loss for the Cincinnati Bengals moving forward. The good news is, as, as, as Joe Burrow himself pointed out in a podcast recently, they've got a, another guy who could be a number one on other teams. I don't think so, but J Joe Burrow made the case. T. Higgins. 
You got a guy in the slot in Tyler Boyd. Hayden Hurst is an excellent pass-catching tight end. You can run the football with Joe Mixon. As of late, I can't lie to you folks, that much maligned Bengals offensive line has looked really good. They played well against some good defensive lines, against the Saints, uh, okay, and against teams like Baltimore. They've done a solid job protecting Joe Burrow. So, and they're going to need to tonight against that great Cleveland Browns defensive line. I do not think Cincinnati's going to cover because of the fact that I think Cleveland's going to get off to a good start. They're going to build a lead early with the running game. I would Listen, I'd be, I would not be shocked if Cleveland won this game, but I think it comes down to the last minute and a half. Joe Burrow's going to lead a game-winning drive, and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this game 27-26 to over the Cleveland Browns. I think Cincinnati wins it, goes to 5-3. and three. They're tied with the division lead with the Baltimore Ravens. Good chance that that Week 18 game between those two will decide the AFC North. Cleveland loses another heartbreaking game because that's kind of been the story of their season to this point. Give me the Bengals over the Browns, albeit I would take Browns plus three. That's what I would do. It's not if I were a bet man because it's a Monday night game. That's what I would do. Uh, Mike Guido says, going back to the college football rankings, he says, your rankings are great. I'd swap Clemson and Oregon and put them in, but I get your point on them. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the finish... And it's the playoff. We, we've had this discussion about different playoff situations over the years. It plays itself out. I mean, I remember years back in 2019, I think and even in 2020, although AM had a debate uh, to possibly get in in 2020. But overall, for the most part, we've all for the most part agreed on who the top four was getting in. Maybe not necessarily the order, but we're, we're not necessarily getting up in arms about the order, about the top four teams. But all in all, we mostly agree. Whoever's ranked fifth, probably shouldn't get in. Will that be the case this year? Who knows? It's going to be an exciting finish. It's very exciting for me. Because as we say in Knoxville, it is great to be a Tennessee Vol. World Series Game 3 tonight, by the way. Oh, it's got postponed. Okay, World Series Game 3 just got postponed. Uh, so no World Series tonight. So Game 3 will be tomorrow. All right, interesting. That's going to be That's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Phillies Astros. I'll, I'll give a sort of quick prediction on how I think the three games in Philadelphia are going to play out. I think Houston's going to take two of three. I think Houston's going to take two of three. You know, the, the, what was shocking about game one was the fact that Philadelphia's offense has often done a good job playing with the lead and then trusting their bullpen to lock it down. Absolute opposite. But Justin Verlander struggled in the World Series. We know that he's 0-6. That played itself out once again. Uh, and I think it was, was it JT Romuto who hit the, the go-ahead shot in the 10th inning that gave the Phillies the lead, which they never relinquished. Uh, but you guys know I had Astros in seven. I think Houston's going to win two of the next three in Philadelphia. Nobody's going to think – Nobody's. everybody's going to count the, the Phillies out in game six. They will win game six in Houston, and the Astros will win the title in game seven. That's how I think it's going to play out. I said there'd be a split after two games. Here we are. I, although I, I thought it'd be the reverse. Astros win game one, Phillies win game two. But that's how it played out. I'm still sticking to Kyle Tucker winning World Series MVP, especially how, how he played in game one. Kyle Tucker will be your World Series MVP. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. I appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday, as always, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, on Facebook Live, at YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to like, share, comment, and as always, most importantly, hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And uh, be sure to subscribe also to the Grid Network, which is where all my shows, all my clips, as well as the shows and clips of my other Grid teammates. You saw Mike Guido in the chat there. He's a part of the Grid. We got Barry Grant Jr. with the All Even Podcast. We got Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. 
Alfred Parsar Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Podcast, and you got my man Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk Podcast. Great show, by the way, last night, Ryan. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Subscribe there. Like, share, comment there. And subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. All Basically, all podcasting platforms to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network, where all of my podcast shows are on, as well as everybody else's. So be sure to go check that out. We are building this grid, baby. We're, we're, we're feeling good. Dare to be different, man. Dare to be different. Feeling, feeling, feeling good. And feeling good about my picks, too. Bengals going to win this game tonight. Have a great evening, everybody. Stay safe out there. It is Halloween. People people tend to get crazy tonight. But have a great evening. You know, Get you some candy. Enjoy some candy. Watch some scary movies. Whatever you do on Halloween, enjoy it. We start Christmas, celebrate tomorrow in my house. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Have a great evening, everybody. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I gotta admit, this is the best costume, though. We dress like winners here. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.